That's so. the impression I get. You know, this this one, this one is is a good one because I just wanted to talk to you. And I think if we let the kids know that we're doing a podcast, maybe they'll leave us alone enough. I think William's in bed, but chances are he's going to yell out "Ma." <laughs> no, I think I think not. It's 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 nine forty six. Last night we got the kids up, um, the other two kids up at, at midnight, and took them out because there was a. Um, just some amazing um, astronomical events we had. Of course, the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, but also a um, a really beautiful um, that meteor shower. The Tuttle Ursula Urs- Ursula Minor Ursa Ursa Ursa, not Ursula, but Ursa. the bear. Can somebody shut that cat up? <laughs> you can open the door. <laughs> She'd rather be out here, but then you're gonna have to catch her. So uh, we went out and so we let them boy cat. And William got to see his um, his very first uh, shooting star. I don't let the kids die. Okay, go for it. Go ahead. No, it was beautiful. It was. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad Penny saw one too. No, are you? Are, you're letting the cat out. I thought you were going to, so I'm letting him. All right. Well, our first guest tonight is uh, Satsuki. Satsuki. The the, uh, the cat. She's she's glad to be here. Glad to be out. It's a it's a busy house we live in with uh, as many animals as we have people. So um, the meteor shower I saw about seven, and I didn't want to freak Penny out. I was like, there's one, there's one, there's one. They were missing. The kids were missing them. Yeah, but, but um, well, Penny, I just you know, it's hard. It's hard to. It was cool though. Penny got up on the roof of the minivan, climbed. Up there, we shut the moon roof. Well, it's pretty rare that we wake them up. I, I, you know, after having babies, the rule is you never wake a sleeping child. Why would you? But here, you know, it's it's midnight. We didn't keep them up all night. We went in. It, I mean, actually, John woke me up because I had fallen asleep for a few hours before. And well, then, what was it? The night before, or two nights before, William was like. I think he was praying. Wasn't he asking? He, a starlight, starlight, star bright. It was the night before. First time he wished that he would see a shooting star. Right. And it didn't happen that night. Um, and uh, we just talked about, actually, I talked about gravity. And then uh, the next night, he he got out there. It, it, actually, it was the next, it was morning after, or two mornings after, because it was past midnight. And he saw a big one, just a, a long shooting star. It was Vivid and beautiful and mm. glorious, and Penny missed that one, but she finally did get one later on in the evening. And a little streaker down. Yours went transverse. Got so. them back into bed at, at one o'clock, and so now at quarter to ten, I don't think that they're going to be getting up. I think okay. they're they're out. So uh, we this is podcast uh, episode officially two. two, but there's the three. Well, the first one, <laughs> the I was first just one seeing, definitely I, doesn't count. Seeing how the technology worked. And this time we do have a full bottle of wine available to us. So. Yeah, no, and and I did. I thought, well, we could find out a topic on physics, and I and I think, and this is just rifting. We can variate, go off of the script of not looking stuff up. I thought, on this account, we could look stuff up if you need to look stuff up. But one of the questions that I had, and you sort of mentioned that there's this this. I don't know if you talked about it in the last one, but. You had said something, there's this open stacks, of course we have Wikipedia, 
but what you do, what, what your work is, is actually taking a lot of the content that is currently in, in different forms and, and really making it into a digital format that's, that's accessible for the curriculums. So I guess the difference between like OpenStax and then actually, which because people have to pay. I don't know if I, if I talked about OpenStax on record. Oh. Well, you were saying, I so was, OpenStax, well, I, in case people don't know, well, OpenStax is a project run by, I think it's run by Rice, um, but it is open source uh, textbooks. And so they actually have, I mean, you know, I, I graduated college back in the beginning of this um, century. And um, you graduated college significantly before that, but <laughs> we we both paid a lot of dollars towards textbooks, right? They're like three hundred dollar textbooks that I purchased. And um, OpenStax is a great project. I I fully support it as a you know employee of a major publishing co- company. Yeah, we, are we not I still, going to say it? Is it good? I'm not I'm not here as a representative of my my establishment, but I think that OpenStax is a great great idea. Um, and basically, they have. Um, published for free online you can study a college level uh textbook on basically any entry level um uh subject that you'd like to learn physics i don't know all the other subjects that they have but i know that there's a bunch of them psychology i'm sure they have a psychology (laughs) and it's not just done by rice but they they this that's where sort of they were uh originated and um you know, I, what I said, said earlier was that, you know, you do get what you pay for. There mm. is a benefit to having, um, you know, something that is maybe a little bit more. I mean, I, I compared it a little bit to Wikipedia, which right. we have this open source information. I use Wikipedia all the time. It's not the only thing I use, yeah. but I, I do refer to it because it's a fantastic resource and it's accessible to everyone. And I think that's what I like about OpenStax is that it brings... You know, whoever wants to learn this information, it's out there. University physics, college level physics. Um, the difference between those two is is calculus, whether or not you use calculus. So university physics uses calculus. And, um, you know, it's basically uh, a really fantastic uh, resource. So. Um, well, I, I was thinking because you had, you had sort of mentioned that you get what you pay for and that but things are changing and there's like, the the flipped class and and all these sort of new sort of things and academics do what they do you'd mentioned it said this and i, I do I, I wonder if if i'm just confusing if we talked about it on episode one but i i recall you talking to the extent that um some professors will just teach what they've taught and then they're doing their research and then they're just doing that the intro classes or the things just so they can kind of, you know, sort of feed the, the beast. But what they're really there for is for uh, their research and their interests, their academic pursuits on, on their own. And the, the teaching isn't, and, and not all physicists, they may, physicists may be super smart, but they're not all Great gifted teachers. teachers. Yeah. And there's others who are gifted teachers. And then there's some who are perhaps both, that they, they make that um, that leap into that. And you supporting a lot of um, their work, you really, though, I gather, from watching you work this year, in it for the, the students who don't really ever know you. And, and that, to me, was, was the, um, 
well, really why I wanted to do this podcast. You know, just nobody... Well, given gets the to, amount of uh, final exams that I actually created, I think there's probably a lot of people who would actively dislike me at this point <laughs> yes. as they're in the middle of their finals. But well, I mean, that's it's, okay. No, it's just, I mean, you... I went through it too. Yeah, you this year, 2020, where... And having the kids at home, you know, and I was home for, what, just a couple months, and we got cleared to go in, but it, it was a, a Yeah, historic. how did you, that was, you, you had an interesting time working at home for you, because I've been working ho- at home since, um, I'd say, the beginning of March. Well, and I, it was difficult for you to get any work done, but your job is quite different than. Well, we shifted. I mean, I shifted gears into doing, you know, supporting other areas. We, you know, realigned really, but the hands-on work, you know, we had to get back in as soon as as soon as possible. Nobody, I wouldn't have imagined this. I knew it was going to be bad. I really did. We we all knew. All the doctors knew this wasn't going to be good, but. I don't think any of us imagined the extent, you know, how long it, it drew out. But the uh, working at home with the with the kids, they were remarkable. You know, I think that we came in it to it with relationships with the kids. You know, the way the way we work with the kids and just explaining things to them as best we can and and trying it. But you know, our overarching. <laughs> strategy which which is this one day at a time thing I, I laughed because I was thinking I need to get back into my yoga practice and I got the yoga mat out and I got the garage cleared out and I was just going to do it and I ended up watching like three different videos of yoga just sat on my yoga mat just just looking at watching like, other people do yoga. other people very kind of like hip austin people doing yoga and there was goat yoga and i'm just like watching these videos and i'm like I, and i finally put the phone down and i'm like i'm gonna pick one asana and get back to my practice and just taking and that's really the time you know whether it's 15 or 20 minutes taking that that time and you really have to carve out that time for yourself, whether it's a walk with the dog or, or getting through you know, the summer heat or just, I can't even really begin to articulate 2020. And you being, for me, what was so super impressive is this is in an era where, and what I kind of wanted to talk about in this podcast about your influences what how do you how did you do it when when the going gets tough and the tough got going there and you know you you have to hunker into some of the people who influenced you and and sort of I know for me you know like current things that got me through things were just the comedians you know I mean my heroes have always been like yeah I've got my professors and my mentors but really, when I look at what's what's currently keeping me afloat, it's the uh, like you know comedians like Bill Barr, Bill Burr, Bill Barr, it's a comedian <laughs> right there. Bill Burr, like this is like tell it like it is. And Dave Chappelle and I mean all these guys, even Joe Rogan for a certain sense. I know he's kind of more, you know. Yeah, Chappelle's had a, his his comeback this lately. Hasn't he? Oh, it's so good. I mean, and and uh, you know. But they're not they're not doing like blind rehab for that's their job and I'm not a, a comedian uh, full time either. My kids.
kids think I might be funny, but I hope that if this gets recorded, not for anybody out there who is interested super much, but if we have a document of so we can remember, because it will fade, just like childbirth, the pain of all of that. I mean, you forget, and then you have more kids. Like, there'll be other pandemics, but this first one's a, a doozy, and, and we will sort of only remember certain aspects, like, oh, yeah, we <laughs> we did X, Y, or Z, you know, your sister moved, or your mom watched a lot of CNN. I, I don't know what we're going to hold later on in life, but if we're if we're in the moment, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I got, um, email today, the first vaccine, uh, went out, um, for, uh, I think a veteran in Temple, uh, Texas, where I work. So while we're documenting it, while it's still sort of raw and we're light at the end of the tunnel, I, I can imagine you have influences that aren't just, um, you know, the demands and the people that, want you to work but you know you did it you did an amazing job and I'm I'm certain there's more work to do we're not completely out of it but I don't think next year is going to be the same and there's going to be a movement you know in, in my work things did move telehealth was was something that we needed to have happen and I've been trying left and right to get telehealth going and now it's full throttle so you know we've been in that um, moment where you know the situation calls for innovation and, and new tools you had learned these new tools and now everybody's needing science <laughs> and uh, I think your last uh, meeting where they were talking about your particular area of expertise is, is you know areas of growth so I'm encouraged by where you are. I know how hard you've worked this year, but I've known how hard you've worked all the time beforehand, not just this year. And I do want to touch on, you know, those heroes of yours. And given that you didn't have a lot of people who looked like you uh, teach you officially, and you are in a position now as, as we mature to be mentors and and uh, you know folks who can bring other people into a new paradigm and and there have been pioneers that went before us and i do think you're going to be in that position uh, later on where people will be like oh you know that that's who wrote my test or you know that's who who did uh helped us get this uh, I guess a new way of learning a very ancient discipline. I mean, physics is like everything. And some of the problems that they're forced to solve don't expand out into the culture around physics. We, we've sort of, you know, analyzed um, the problem. And then we forget that, no, there's other ways, other angles to come at it and there's this sort of celebrity scientist, but there's also a lot of non-celebrity scientists who I, I think need maybe to be looked at in a more honest way. I, I, I watched in preparation Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about many worlds, 
and the it was on YouTube and the the graphics were just exquisite. It was just like I could, you know, smoke a big bowl and just watch Neil deGrasse Tyson and then talk about stuff and then they show graphically what he's talking about. It's but it's not really it's not it's not really education. It's just kind of like a lazy person's Wikipedia. You know, you're just kind of looking at information presented in a in a way that's that's not really going and doing uh, honor to the folks who are doing the science whether they're they're teaching the the intro classes half-heartedly or or they're trying to uh, really influence the the next generation so i do want to hear who your heroes are and then i have two scientists i wanted to talk to you about and okay. so is there was there a question? <laughs> you Should just I, you just go. We can we can just do a more Tom. More me. More you. <laughs> you can talk some more. You don't have to put that towards you. <laughs> this good wine. What, what are we? We we should have mentioned the wine. The first first show we had freak show. This one's a a white wine. It is. It's a Pinot Grigio. It's from Italy. Is it? It is. I looked. It's nice. You can fill up my glass if you'd like. I will. I, I'll go get. Uh, I'll go get it. And you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I, I think the question that I had is how did you stick with it when the going got tough this year? You know, what, what, where'd you draw from? Because. Well, that, I mean, honestly, it's like, there's a, <laughs> I could, I could be all intellectual and, and, and pull out like amazing. I could name drop like crazy, but <laughs> the fact is, um, <laughs> and it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, the wine's Chloe. It's it's Chloe, and it is from Italy. Look at that, Vintner Select. Would you um, like ice cube? Uh, an ice cube in my. <laughs> Would you like to smell the bottle cap? <laughs> the the that, screw this, cap. This piggy and uh, Steve Martin. Would you like to smell the bottle cap? Yeah. I didn't watch that Jim Henson one. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. okay, but. But really, oh, truly, okay, no, no, I'm not interested in name dropping because the, the, the fact of the matter is it's just my dad. I mean, oh. it's just real easy. One, thank you. Okay. <laughs> the, um, so, you know, if, if anybody's listening out there, um, I lost my dad uh, about a year and a half ago, a little mm-hmm. bit more than a year and a half, less than two years. Um, and, uh, and he's by far just the, the strongest influence that... Um, he was an engineer and, uh, he, he raised me to be a scientist and to be a thinker and he encouraged me all along the way. But even more than that, he was the hardest worker I've ever known. There's Mm. no time that I remember him shirking any work that was available to do. He would do it. If there was, you know, a a task to be done, it wasn't going to wait until tomorrow. It was going to get done right then. And that was just consistent from it was his it was his example and you know he really did teach by example and i i feel like i wish that worked with our kids more (laughs) like i try that and maybe it just takes years to kick in you know but but he was a hard worker my, my whole life and um i i just witnessed that growing up you know he would he would travel for work and he'd just put in hours as needed. And then when he'd come home on the weekends, he'd be working his ass off at home and Mm -hmm. taking care of us. And, you know, 
and he'd make time. I mean, this isn't science related, but every day of my childhood from when I was eight until I was 18, I mean, probably not when I was 18, but he would wake up with me. He'd get me out of bed around five or so in the morning and he'd sit down and um, practice the piano with me. And he, he wouldn't play, but he'd sit with me and he'd listen to me play. And, you know, he'd go through the whatever lesson plan that I had scheduled that day. And, and you know, probably by the time I was 13 or 14, I was doing it independently, but he was up, you know, he'd get me up and he'd be, you know, in the, in the living room, dining room, listening to me play and, and, and commenting and participating. And he just always showed up. And, you know, that was, I was blessed to have that. And, and I think that, you know, him showing me that example and being the hard worker that he was and never losing that spark of interest and curiosity throughout his whole life. He was always curious about things and always wanted to hear more. And so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it also, it, it, it burns both ways where I feel, you know, as a, a 40 year old, you know, if I'm sitting down and then I see a task that's supposed to be done, like I feel all of a sudden like compelled to get up and do it. And that's Mm -hmm. a hard thing because you know, it does mean that you're not taking time off uh, when you need to be. But, well, but yeah, that I mean, was that's my, my main... I mean, he just... He did the most interesting things yeah. as I was growing up. And, you know, I couldn't really... He couldn't talk about them. So he worked defense, um, and he was a contractor. Uh, and uh, he had all the, the security clearances. And um, Well, tell me about his connection, because this will be the name dropping, and I've already sort of alluded to it. And you talked about it but Hugh Everett was um yeah Hugh um so if you uh, uh he he's the sort of the the grandfather of the many worlds theory and um he was sort of a, a collaborator colleague of my dad's and he came over he'd come over and have you know dinner parties or whatever back in that yeah, was when we were in the DC area um in the 80s and but, I guess in the 70s, but, but I wasn't was around a, then. A, a scientist. I mean, he was an engineer, but I think he... His official, uh, his official title was senior scientist yeah. at, his, at his corporation, which I think is a pretty, pretty badass like, title. Like, what, what are you? You're a senior scientist. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't, doesn't tell you much. Well, and I know, I mean, but when, it's just, when he was you know, at, like, Berkeley, but it was more like the Livermore side of Berkeley than the... Yeah, than he, the... he went to Berkeley in the 60s, but he was the, the, the nerd. He was the one with the, you know, the pocket protector and um, sort of was, had his nose to the grindstone, you know, while all the social revolution and, and tear gassing was going around. He was, you know, out there getting um, connections made and, uh, you know, going to, going to work. Yeah, I think, but he, um, he didn't think like normal engineers either, though. He was a bit more abstract, would say, and the things that he would... I don't know what normal engineers think like. <laughs> I don't think there are normal engineers. My, but I mean, his, the problems that, that he solved was the, you know, and the way his he approach... Would, he would do a lot of theoretical work, um, and he worked very closely with DARPA, which is the, um, like, a, a think tank. Right. And so they would work on things that were, were theoretical, and they would sort of determine whether or not that they would be um, 
feasible, you know, whether it would, you know, whether it would be financially like reasonable to do or, and they would also play like war games where they would not play war games, but they would give like scenarios. Right. Well, How would one, we deal with this scenario? The one that he did tell me later on, cause he, I wouldn't, I didn't really push cause I know he had to take him to the grave, you know, where he was and what, but the one where he, when they were calibrating the, the camera and there was an opportunity to take a picture of something that was, that had heat and it was the uh, stealth bomber and it's still, by the time they landed, the men in black showed up on the... Yeah, so there was this um, camera that was a... Well, NASA pointed, <laughs> NASA pointed it a, up and DARPA pointed a, it down. Yeah, there was a camera that was um, to, to, to gather heat signatures and it was in an airplane... Um, that was very interesting um, airplane. I got to see it actually. So this wasn't. This is after it was um, partially declassified, and it had a. Um, what they had done was they had cut this this big hole in the side of an airplane, and pointed this this very powerful infrared ca- camera outside the the side of the um, the airplane, and uh, and so they would fly around and they'd try to like, sort of calibrate it um and they had it was it was great they had this um what my dad called the pizza oven uh which was on top of a mountain uh near mammoth mountain ski resort which was especially awesome because it gave us lots of opportunities to go to mammoth um and well they had enough power up there to. but there was lots of different places that they would fly but they um basically it was an oven that would heat to you know three thousand degrees kelvin or something you know super hot and then they would be able to target to to be able to take pictures of it and they were out taking pictures uh what do they call it targets of opportunity um and they they ended up after they landed and this was down in the mojave desert i should probably just leave it general area (laughs) (laughs) somewhere out there i think it's all right dick's dead i mean they're not gonna come for you now i know but they they um they, they landed the airplane and then were approached uh, immediately by some armed um, people who uh, demanded that they just release all the of the records, work. the day's work, the yeah. records that they had, um, all the data they had pulled. And it's because they had taken some photographs of something that they didn't know was going to be there and they shouldn't have photographed. So Yeah, well, no. That, I think there, was people, there was people above my dad's pay grade, basically. Sure. Well, I remember in. one time, because your dad, we went hiking one time, and he, he showed me his scar that they stopped uh, in the Navy when they, when they took the mustard gas. Uh, somebody complained that it uh, like got their child, their skin uh, damaged permanently. And so Dick was one of the last folks to have these tattoo scars of mustard gas and people who went to the ABC school in the Navy had them. And he, he showed me that scar one time and I was like duly impressed, you know, like maimed by the United States Navy. But he had, he had, um, God, I forgot what I was going to say in the, um, he had a lot of fun. Basically, I think he really enjoyed doing things that were, um, you know, when you have a job that allows you to, fly on an airplane he, there was one time he had to do training that was like um to be able to so if the if that plane lost pressure they would have to be able to identify um the signs of you know uh oxygen loss which can be 
hard to identify. Um, and so they had to go through this training where they would put them through oxygen deprivation and they would have to identify three things that they noticed on themselves that were signs of oxygen uh, deprivation. Fingernails turn blue. Um, and for him, I think it was, uh, he had trouble doing math. And so he, and his, um, I can't remember what his symptoms were. That was one of them. But there was one of the guys that had, um, that had no symptoms until he passed out. And so he couldn't do the, the ride. And there was another guy who got really aggressive um, and he, he became belligerent. And so he wasn't allowed to. So my dad was the one that was like, he could name the symptoms. But the, the engineer that can't do math. Yeah, he, he was able to, to identify his symptoms of oxygen deprivation. And, um, you know, it, it, I think that that kind of stuff made him feel like he had a pretty, a pretty cool job. And he did. He did have a very cool job. And he, a, a lot of the work he did was... Uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Was about. potentially um, life-saving in a lot of ways where they were, um, you know... Uh, working out ways to protect the general population in terms in 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 case of a biological weapon or or something like that, um, and and those were a lot of the things that that he couldn't share the yeah. details of. Well, it was before Homeland Security. Your it was, worked, yeah. and there was a lot of competition internally for information. Uh, your dad had told me at one time. I think it was on that same hike when he showed me his his mustard gas car that. There were times where he couldn't get at information, whether it was above his pay grade or around, you know, just around because people would kind of hoard their information. But he would read a, a Tom Clancy novel. That's right. And, yeah. And try because Tom would, Clancy people had would the talk to Tom Clancy. That's true. And then they put it in his novels before it was um, unclassified. Yeah, and people being like loose mm-hmm. lips talking and wanting to be, you know, that's right. In the next hunt for Red October, would would share, and he would go and dig out what he needed to know so he could make um, best determinations. Because he did advise people. I mean, you have to know when you're in Washington D.C. and your dad had a button that to push, or you had a security detail. I didn't have security. That's, he worked for Janet Reed. We're, we're, no, just, I'm just saying, like, I, I appreciate Dick, and I know that he... <laughs> he, he was a hard worker. He was and, a hard worker. And he invested in, in me in terms of um, taking me to, you know, really cutting edge. I mean, now, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, well, of course we have these great cameras. Like, we have Google cameras everywhere. Like, you can zoom in. But this is a long time ago. I mean, this is like yeah. in the in the late 80s, early 90s. So this was really really groundbreaking stuff and um well and i think for you it was always a a choice and you didn't want to make that choice and maybe the world of hyper specialization wanted you to be physics or be music Mm -hmm. you know and and to be exceptional in both it's kind of a shame that the world wants what the world wants and well i uh taught the cat to flush (laughs) (laughs) i uh, one of the things that I remember, um, my dad, it, when I was in, I had to be in early high school, and he explained um, the idea of the the Renaissance man, and this is, you know, in the early 90s again. So he was saying how in the Renaissance, you know, the, the great people, uh, da Vinci, Michelangelo, Galileo, whatever, it was, they they didn't specialize, you know, they were artists, 
they were authors, they were scientists, they were musicians, and they were able to explore not just one thing, but really, and it's plagued me because I have such a hard time narrowing my focus. I don't know at all what what I want to do. It It is much more, um, you know, like the environment that I'm in, if well, it promotes. I mean, I can, I can see from seeing you and being not in your field or not even remotely close what buoyed you up. You know, when you were at Slack, it was just not, it was, you'd come home from those long drives and just just not not you know buoyed up but that was work and you'd, but when you came home from NASA as seeing those kids asking sure. questions and getting sure. them you know and and realizing like you know there is this culture and it might be that you had to wait and do this and do that uh, and then find where you're at now. It's a good fit. It really is because you can, you know, look at all these different facets. And what you had said the other day about beauty and these equations and trying to, you know, tie it all in a nice little bow. I mean, beauty isn't necessarily. I mean, yeah, E equals M C squared. Whoa, what? And then it turns out, you know, that is exquisite. And and you know, we we find that there can be in math those things, but really, truly, you know, the beautiful things that, that happen in the world and in the universe, it's something that takes a while to to get. It, it doesn't happen, you know, maybe even in a lifetime. Things, And that's one of the things I respect about science. It's going on, it'll go on, it'll continue. I mean, nature, the actual, what we're observing is not really influenced by our instruments and our tools, but we can be influenced by by nature and by what we observe and the closer we are uh, to observing it. And that's where I think having folks... I mean, your dad did tell me that your knowledge superseded his. You know, he. I remember him saying, I, I remember he came up while he was still working one of his last jobs. And then all of Santa Cruz had a power shortage, you know, so I kind of thought, well, maybe Dick's... Is that the rolling blackouts? No, it was that? like they were testing, like, shooting down missiles and stuff. Oh, and they needed the to... Air Force Base there? Yeah, and so Dick was up, and he visited you, and then, I don't know, he had a hotel or something, and, you know, all of Santa Cruz went dark. And so I kind of put two and two together, but I, I know that his work was uh, influencing you, but you had to work short of of that you didn't have you know people that looked like you or had kids like you or had no i had, didn't you know uh, the, i didn't one, i mean not not to name names but clem was an asshole well we don't need to go into <laughs> <laughs> so we can leave we can leave him off the uh, the podcast but here here's the thing um i i, I did have role models and they didn't they like if it, you know if we're talking about beauty and and where I found my imagination when it comes to physics. I think the person that I could point to, and this is, I mean, it's kind of, um, I don't know, maybe it's going to put me in a 
a firm like maybe a social scientist um part of part of the the science spectrum it's going to definitely identify me as not a specialist um but Douglas Hofstadter wrote this book called Gödel Eschel Gödel I don't know how to say the mathematician's name Gödel Eschel and Escher and Bach um or as I would say it, GEB, because it's much easier to say. Right, right. Um, and it, it actually, what it's talking about is human intelligence and how our neurons work together to create something greater than itself. You know that we are able to have consciousness. But it was that finding, first of all, finding beauty in art music and science, mathematics, actually, and logic. But that connection, how the the three of these things work together and really are all from the same um, source. Mm. And that is human consciousness, human intellect, and human curiosity. And I, I feel like that is how I approach my work, how I'm able to see physics, I'm able to do music. I was a musician before I was a physicist. Um, I actually hated math and science Mm. all the way through until high school. I was not one of those kids that went to math class like eager as an elementary school student. I was was miserable, um, partially because I have an absolutely terrible memory. Mm. Uh, So all the multiplication tables were lost on me. Mm. Um, And then I was excruciatingly bored in Mm. um, middle school. I loved reading and I loved music and I loved stories and nothing that I was presented in math and science until I was probably maybe 10th grade. Like Mm. by the time I was 15, I started getting a glimpse of it. Um, And then once I caught that glimpse it just exploded and I went from pre you know, like just struggling pre-algebra in 10th grade to calculus the next year. I just took it all in really, really quickly. And I started going to the college for my, my courses because my high school didn't offer them. Um, and I think what it was, was it was the, the difference between process and procedure and memory. And then connection and that that sense of like amazement that you get when the puzzle works together i saw that today this is this is a total side journey but i think this is what it's about william is watching the entire um star wars series right now like so we we watched what was it chronologically yeah yeah yeah. we watched something that sparked his wanting to see it Uh, oh it's the mandalorian yeah the mandalorian the end um, episode, the season finale. Luke. Which I am, no, no, stop it. No, you're not going to say anything, but the season finale. What, this, who's no. listening? All 10 of our listeners? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I already he, said it. Look, Mark Hamill <laughs> said in his <laughs> It tweet, already happened. If you haven't seen it. Go see it. Go see it. So, so William decided he wanted to watch the entire entire freaking series like so the last three days have been legitimately torturous because i the you know today was the best of the three but oh boy it was one two and three know what george lucas was thinking just 
we don't need to. It was and That's awful. just like reinventing. I know. Like, we could trash on them all the day, but yeah, no, it's not. But at the end of the third prequel, prequel, right? Which is the Revenge of the Sith, when um, we have like General Organa and Luke and Leia, the babies, and everything. William just stands up on the sofa and he's like. <gasps> I got it! <laughs> the pieces of the puzzle are coming together! This is my seven-year-old nerd. Yeah, he was so excited. He figured it out. He figured it out. And he was like, that guy is Jango Fett. And his son, the little kid, actually this was the last last episode of the, the season two, but he got it. That's Boba Fett, who then shows up in The Mandalorian. And he was sort of like, like it all... Yeah. It made sense. And he got, like, all the clones were all the same guy as Jango Fett. And it was just all connected. And his, like, he had this little, like, like little trippy moment of kid you, you hallucinating. Really yeah, like, he yeah. just really got it. So, anyway, back to um, GEB. Okay. Richard Hofstadter <laughs> was uh, a guy. So, I read this book in, in high school. And it was exactly clued me into i mean i my favorite um composer is bach Hmm. his music is amazing um and i could have a whole podcast on why um we should it doesn't really have to well it doesn't i was gonna ask you about quantum yeah but they're all so so that the 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 connection and the 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 coming back around and you know building connections is really what I, I feel passionate about. And I happen to be able to do the difficult math that gets you there. Um, and so that that moment of eureka that happens at the end of a complicated equation and leads you to a greater insight is, um, is something that I saw in that book. And it did inspire me at that moment, at 16 years old, I think, to say oh my gosh like I see the beauty here I see what is speaking to me now I mean so you asked me my inspiration (laughs) I named two old white men both of whom I absolutely respect admire and adore um well I'm gonna be an old white man so I'm not gonna be (laughs) (laughs) well your dad told me that one of his uh, instructors at Berkeley was Rube Goldberg. So I think I know where he got some of his ideas from, you know, like... My dad had an, Rube Goldberg as an instructor? Yeah. I did not know that. Really? He tells you things. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, he also I told me what was at Area 51, but I can't tell you. No, he didn't tell me. He, he, had, he, oh, he also... Did, he told me that there were alternative... He been pulling your leg. <laughs> no, he, no, I don't think so. He did say that there were alternative stories that he was told about what his investigations were in case he was captured. Mm-hmm. So that was Cold War shit, and Dick was. I'm glad that he... I did grow up in the Cold War. It was, it was definitely... And he the, wasn't the 80s like a, were... He wasn't on the, the bottom rung of it. He was up there knowing stuff where, yeah. where, the, where the tunnels are. But I... Appreciate that he allowed you in on on that, and you took to it. You know, I, I'm sure at, at one point you were, and and I did take a lot of pride in this before it all went kaflui. But your research paper on a bomb detecting robot dog nose 
before there was Google? Was that precede Google? Okay, so we got to, like, you're going a mile minute here. No, okay. I'm not. I'm just saying so like, when it's all it connected. Was, yes, it was you preceded were, Google. You were okay, the, so the lead and when I was 16, um, I think I was 16, 90, that would be 96. Um, this was in the Alta Vista days. Alta Vista. Alta Vista. Um, Pre-Yahoo. Pre- was it AOL? I think there was AOL, but I was on um, I was on a gateway computer, and we used starts with a com com. Um, what was that dial up? Oh uh, shit! Yeah, okay, you, look you it up. Like, while I tell the story. I will look it up. So I think it was com not Comcast. No, not one Comcast. Uh, Compuser. Compuser. Did you look it up? No, I just remembered it. Oh. Which is surprising, given it's me. I can't. So anyway, but I didn't even use my... No, it was AOL. No, it was AOL because I used the <laughs> AOL. You could make your own web page using your AOL account. You could have like a personal web page. And most people used them to put little like pre-blog blogs. Like they would... I don't even know what people would do. Um, but on, I... On a, on a web page? Yeah, you could, you could make your own okay. web page hosted by AOL. So I used mine um, <laughs> to host a research paper um, on, or actually just sort of a survey on, it wasn't research, um, it was a, a survey on the information regarding uh, the bomb detection by dogs, uh, which was at the time uh, really important because there were a huge number of unexploded ordinances uh, left over in... Lord, where was it? Um, England, probably. No, 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 no. This was in the Middle East. Um, and it might have been in, oh, it might have been in Africa. I can't remember where I was. This was before the war in um, the Gulf War. I think it was before the Gulf War. My timelines are all having a hard time. But I think it was before the Gulf War. But there were unexplored ordinances somewhere now of course there's unexploded ordinances everywhere but anyway it was it was relevant then um and my um my dad Mm. at the time knew um oh Oh. and we're gonna we're gonna pause this well okay all right so we said goodnight to uh to penelope which i mean honestly we never stop being parents and um that that's got to be part of what what this is all about is that you know we are um we're really trying this year especially has been challenging yeah. at balancing our roles yeah. as William thought we mom. were live thought we were in a meeting yeah he, he didn't want to be and um and being a, a scientist and so anyway well. excuse the the interruption it was well intended she's spending the night over at her grandma's uh tonight so yeah, and I'm I'm glad that um, Penny is curious, and she will make herself known. But while we were talking, it was a rambling on. I, I actually this one we're titling influences, but I I came across a astronomer, a, a physicist who passed away Christmas Day, two thousand sixteen, and. I found it because I was working on a creative project and I went down the rabbit hole of, I was looking at dark matter 
And then I ended up reading about Vera Rubin, and I was like, man, who, how come I, you know. How come people do not know this name? Right, that's right. This, like, exactly, exactly. And then I, I do, I, I take it in knowing that, you know, she had all the struggles, but more so than you. you know, and she had to continue on with, with her career. But the the idea... So first, let's talk about Vera. Okay. Who is, who is Vera Rubin? Do you want me to talk about well, it? Well, you probably could talk about it. I mean, Vera I, Rubin I, was an astrophysicist. Astrophysicist. Um, who was groundbreaking in her day. Um, still is groundbreaking. What am I saying? Well, she, she passed away. She did. She is, she is no longer with us. Um, and I did not ever hear her name until, you know, more recently. Uh, she's now in books that are primarily written, directed to young women who want to, you know, like inspirational books about becoming like how women, how girls can do anything, but it still hasn't made it into the mainstream. You know, there's these books that we have that we buy because we have female children that we want to inspire. And so, you know, she's, she's in these books and I think, why is this not now physicists in general do not talk about history we don't talk about who you know we know einstein right we know galileo but we don't necessarily like besides the names of laws we don't really learn about their lives so it's not completely fair to say that you know we've neglected um vera in terms of not learning about her life because we don't learn about the lives of any of these people. You know, physicists are primarily uh, interest, interested in the facts. But as a culture, as a country, we should honor, you know, our heroes. And, and she is certainly one of those. When she was um, in college, she couldn't even go into the dean's office because she went to a Catholic college and women were not allowed in that part of campus. So they had to meet outside of his office because she was not allowed to walk on the hallowed grounds that only men could go. So anyway, she, uh, Vera, um, is credited with um, the the calculations that uh, were able to prove the existence of dark matter, which had been um, thought of in the 1930s as a as an idea, as something that would make things make sense and and hers was the evidence that that proved that the expansion of the universe the way galaxies move right uh is altered based on the existence of dark matter right and i think some of her work when she sort of either contradicts or goes against people like hubble who were before they named the telescope after the guy i mean if you're sort of saying well hubble might not be as accurate if we know what we know now what we it's just that that tradition that holdover maybe perhaps i mean it's good to have scrutiny and all this the thing that of the scientific method should it really matter you know who's saying it you know i think one of the hard parts with with the mysticism of physics you know the different the rarefied earth that people walk on in in that realm of knowledge is always so many people can actually handle the telescopes or get the time on the machinery to to look at what they got to look at. I mean, it, you have to sort of prove yourself and all the things that people go through to get to that level. 
And then if you're going to have controversy on top of it, and there's people who, you know, do have traditional thoughts on, you know, who should be the ones running the world, you know, especially at, I get it for the Department of Energy if we're looking at new sources of fuel, but really how the heavens are held together, I, I really don't understand why you would want not the best and brightest minds. And then it turns out that, you know, maybe that harder work, you know, whatever, but I don't think you have to, I don't know. It's, I, you don't need to necessarily be the underdog to have better thinking. What might have happened had they adopted her thinking sooner? I mean, I guess it wouldn't really affect <laughs> my life very much. <laughs> I'm a white man in America. But I do think it's just bad not to like take things serious if it if, because it comes from a, a well, I think it's unexpected. A fair, it's, it's a fair point to make right now. Uh, I, John, you already know this, um, but uh, it, this should be said mm. that going through my uh, experience getting a, a degree in physics, going to I went to multiple colleges, mostly because I liked to to change up things. So I went to um, Indiana University to study music, um, piano performance, and science. Actually, I was a math major at that time. Uh, I came back to California. I went to UCSB and I went to um, UC uh, City College in Santa Barbara, which was a lot of fun. And uh, finally, ended up getting my degree in physics at um, UC Santa Cruz and um, doing some work over at uh, SLAC, which John mentioned earlier, which stands for the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center. Um, and in all of that time, in all of that time, I did not have a single female physics professor, um, and I took a lot of physics classes. The only female professor I had, and this is across the board, uh, that was in sciences. So I had some female professors when I took my general education classes, like I took class in folk art. That professor was a female. I took a class in... Um, Oh, hieroglyphics, that professor was a professor. It was a, was a woman, was a professor. Um, but the only uh, science female professor was at uh, Santa Barbara City College. And uh, she was my chemistry professor. I'm terrible at chemistry because, again, bad memory. So she was my OCHEM professor. And she was fantastic. Um, and she was a full PhD teaching at the City College because she was dedicated to teaching uh, rather than research. And she was a great teacher and she made herself available for office hours. And I spent a lot of time in her office, um, you know, going over how to remember certain, um, you know, chemicals and, and their makeup uh, because I have a hard time remembering those things. But um, she was also a middle-level pianist, and so she would ask my advice on her Chopin and, and things like that. And, and we would talk for a long time. My career goal was to become a professor. I thought that would be a fantastic uh, job. And, um, but the, that was when I was 19. And as I progressed through my years at university, and I saw professor after professor after professor who was male, typically white, you know, certainly we never heard about a family or anything outside of the expectation for, for graduate students and beyond was that this was your 
dedicated life. There was not really space for anything else in your life. Um, and there was no examples offered up as, um, you know, how you could possibly manage to, you know, balance what I had uh, come to expect as the, the, the life of a scientist with, you know, having a family. And I happened to meet you when I was 21. And um, I knew I wanted to have children and a family. And it was not at all clear that that was possible to do right. uh, in, in the physics field. Well, that, that's where I think... And the, so, the... so this woman, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, um, uh, this, this wonderful researcher, she did her work mostly at home with small children. Yeah. And, and if I had, like, you know, and, and maybe I'm not um, courageous enough to be a groundbreaking, you know, like to be that person who had never done it, but no, nobody else had done it before, and I was going to break the mold. But I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't up for that. I was like, you know what, I'm going to have a family. And I, I left. I, I walked away, and I went to NASA, and I started teaching at NASA, which is so much fun, so much fun. And I thought, you know what, if I can teach, I'm, I'm happy. And I started teaching young children uh, about space science. And, um, and then we ended up getting married and I started teaching music. And, and that was wonderful. And it was a easy, easy to see how teaching music could balance with having young children. That was just all the music teachers I knew growing up had had children and they had balanced it. And it just was a, like a paved road for me to do. Right. And I did that for a decade um, until, you know, a, a few years ago, four years ago, we have our, our current president who was particularly anti-science and well, um, anti- also anti-women. Yeah. yeah. I, if I, well, I mean, that is I the mean, ultimate protest is to go get a job as a, scientist and and be like a you know well and my children were were grown to the point right that um you know those those first 5 years i feel are are important for a child to be at home with their with their mother and and i you know uh, it doesn't have to be their mom but you were working so it was me you know it was it was a natural thing to stay home and uh and keep them growing and that's that's our decision right that's how we we um it's not the only way well, but it I was do. what i was i hope with. i mean hope future generations that the work-life balance should be I mean, you have to work and you have to you know figure this out but really i would be glad to stay at home if you wanted you know if we had to do it over again and it would be but what i know, can't what i never had like the question <laughs> of how a uh, you know a male graduate student would be able to balance having children like that was never like even addressed like that was it was just a a non issue and also now i mean i will say with my position i work with professors all over the the country and the world and the the demographic the the, the face of professors has shifted i have a lot of wonderful female professors, a lot of wonderful professors who are extremely positive uh, in their um, inclusion and promotion of uh, a more diverse uh, uh, 
you know, face of their, their students. Yeah, it's happening. But I think you're also in making it happen and advancing it, you know, during this particular time, you know, having moving things more digital and a lot of people working from home. I mean, and surviving and making uh, the reality of, you know, colleges right now are, are freaking out. People aren't able to attend in person and they are getting after things that are online and having children it is like it's it's tough it's difficult work and it doesn't need to be like any longer 2020 you know we didn't have covid all over everything we would want to advance people's ideas who could be a physicist who could be a scientist you know what what does it entail and it doesn't have to be just the wow factor you know i'm i'm certain there's celebrity personalities out there making you know selling books and, and going on tour and talking about how you know the world is so um wonderful once you understand it from physics point of view but really it's a lot of hard work <laughs> a lot of when you were when you were at the linear accelerator and it, it was just you know a lot of grinding out kind of code things and putting them into the models i mean i saw it up close and it wasn't you know, earth-shattering. When I tell people my wife's a physicist, they all just are wow, and I'm like, you know, it's great because I work with smart people, but they're smart, and everybody's like bows to physics. It's like the the one thing if you're, you know... It's not rocket science. Oh, wait. <laughs> it is. Oh, wait, it is. It's the rocket... But I mean, well, it is something thing, to, to is... sort of revere, and it, and it has in itself... If you can attain it, no, that's see the thing is that weeding out thing needs to switch. I think that the perception of physics is being so intensely difficult, you know, and it is like there's there's parts of it that are difficult, but honestly, it doesn't need to be so elitist. I can say I've only seen one. I think I didn't see the whole episode of Big Bang Theory, but I gather these guys tried to incorporate principles of physics in their uh, situation comedy yeah but i don't i mean i don't i'm not a big fan of the big bang theory i don't okay. yeah no it was, <laughs> it was not it missed me but the the way you know we have all these new anthropologists because of jurassic park and culture does influence the world, world around us and, and how we make choices and but if we do we need better science we need better science and we need more right Right. And I think that the, the, the answer is, you know, if we make it so that the only people that are allowed to be physicists are those that can um, sacrifice the decade between or the decade and a half between 20 and 35, well, then you're going to get a bunch of men scientists because they can, can just, you know, what else are they doing? You know, <laughs> I had to. I, had to, I, had to, I don't know what was I doing. <laughs> yeah, I what could, did you do between twenty and? I, well, even if I wanted to, I couldn't be a physicist. I mean, I'm just saying they wouldn't let me in. The 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 precept that it has to be a um, like that only the Sheldons of the world. That, the Sheldon's a character from the Big Bang Theory, and he's an engineer, mm. but he's. A, you know, basically a, a narcissist. He's presented as being on the spectrum, 
but it's you know a caricature and right. you know that's what the the public sees as, as scientists as physicists and it's it's just limiting and it's excluding people of color it's excluding people uh you know of who are underrepresented in the the field and it's doing a disservice because all we're getting is the same ideas replicated um and you know i think that it it there's this sense of um i don't know reverence that oh this math is so much more difficult and and you know the thing is though you see other fields that have an abundance of fantastically intelligent women um that have made space for them to be able to progress at the the same level um computer science is one um where they've been able to um and and I'm not saying that computer science doesn't have barriers because it does but because it's a more modern field there's a different expectation um and a set of expectations that they come to at the start of it and um you know people come from a diverse range of backgrounds uh people have different uh economic status um people come with a different level of education even because you'll have people in computer science that may or may not have a you know even an undergraduate degree um and they could be just fantastic geniuses at the um at the field so all right I could get worked up about it. Well, I didn't. That I'm not. Wasn't the nature no, 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 no. I Vera Vera Rubin is a, a definite hero of mine um, because she persisted. Nevertheless, <laughs> she um, she stuck with it. She did have to deal with a huge amount of sexism, and her ideas were not readily accepted by the field. In fact, the the fact that she was a woman was only working in her disservice. It is. I mean, I will say. Anything that disagrees with an established expectation is going to get a huge amount of um, uh, skepticism. Sure. Right. So what she was doing, which was, you know, like proving that this theoretical, like it just didn't make sense. Because basically her findings eventually came to say that, wait a minute, actually dark matter is the most abundant thing in our universe. And that is so, uh, such a, you know, it goes against common sense. It goes against what we were talking about before, that beauty and the symmetry of the universe. Wait a minute. You mean we're not at the center of the universe? We're not the most important thing? You know, that is a huge, like Galileo had to deal with that, right? Like, wait. <laughs> this, so there's going to be pushback regardless of her gender. But the fact that she was woman absolutely disadvantaged her and she took i mean she her her genius was uh, she did get academic positions and she was professor at um i think georgetown university or something like that um but you know she was never like fully recognized until much much later as just the 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 groundbreaking right you know no i mean well, I mean... Everybody for, can recognize Einstein's, you know, like, just his, his hair and everything. And that's, you know, that was grand, groundbreaking, I, I, admittedly. But there have been so many more people that added to that and participated in that. Right. 
Well, I I do understand there's movement now, but we're we're I would think in a field like physics where there's more work to be done, not just finding the uh, there there is you have to have gifts and talents that are pretty extraordinary and they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. I mean, when we saw hidden figures with the kids, you know, that that inspired this idea of, you know, there are people who could really help yeah, move I mean, us further in our, our understanding of how That's the thing, is that if, if we were to remove the barriers, this is my thesis, right? uh-huh. if we were to remove the barriers based on race, religion, economic status, uh, gender, sexual orientation, whatever, if we were to remove those... Right we would see that, okay, yeah, physics, it does require a certain amount of talent, but there are so many talented people out there. This is what I've learned in my experience of, like, yeah, there's a lot of idiots that have their pickup trucks with the lights on underneath them, (laughs) which we saw tonight um, at the Walmart parking lot. But there's way more talented, smart, capable people who are hardworking people. And the fact is, right now, as in years and years before, you know, women are already under, subject to a huge amount of work expectations, which is unpaid and unrecognized. And that is running the domestic life of America. And, you know, if, say I went back to work, right? Say, say that, was, that was the thing. Well, our children would be then taken care of by another woman you know, like all of the childcare is like triaged by the women of America. You know, whether I'm like yeah, doing work, it yourself, yeah, or, you, know. you know, doing it myself or having another woman. Part. So it's just this this huge. Well, maybe I mean the balance has to go, and like you know, it's hard work. And today, I, don't, I today I spent yeah day with with a eleven year old and two seven year olds, and I'm exhausted. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm it's, grateful it's, for the wine. But it's, you know, it's not, I'm out of shape in some regards of like, okay. And I don't want to take away from what what kind of a participating father you are because you are amazing and you love (laughs) our children and you participate and play games with them. But it's it's different. It's different. It's worth it. it. You know, when we look at the, like, the doctor's appointments and the, you know, all of the homework assignments and all of the paperwork and everything... That's all in my my realm. And it's just because I take care of it better than you do. <laughs> but there's there's just a, a huge amount of workload. That's all I'm saying. Well, all I'm saying is that if we removed the barriers, that there would be a huge pool of people who are completely capable of being... I mean, this is not... When they say it's rocket science, it's not that hard. People do hard things all the time. Yeah. People do brain surgery. People do... I mean... Gardening to me is a mystery. I can't get a thing to live. You know, like there's there's so many things that people do with their brains and with their hands and with their hearts. Yeah, I'm glad I found my calling. I, I feel comfortable doing what I do. I wouldn't want to do anything other than the work that I do, other than take care of the kids. Right. But they said, and there's some men who wouldn't say that. They'd be like, I probably wouldn't have kids if I had to take care of them no, it's worth it. It's worth it. And even how much competency I bring to my work, I is this is the next generation. These are curious minds. They're growing. And to 
make that choice, that forced choice of you can either be a physicist or a, or a mother. You know, they don't make those same bargains with, with people. You can be a physicist if you have those skills, if you're a man. Yeah, that I believe, and I don't know how much this podcast is going to influence that change, but I see your work day in and day out changing that. Every day you show up and, and the, the kids are taken care of and they see you working, they, I mean, at least at a minimum, they're seeing you, you know, while you don't go off to work, they do, they get quiet when you're on a meeting or you put your headphones on. If there's any influencing going on right now, they're seeing your work more than they, they see mine. And that's a, that's a silver lining to this COVID that, no, they're seeing, there's times when, you know, <laughs> they're hearing you work, you're on a call and there's somebody that you're getting served. It's, it's something that they're right in their, their world. And I hope they get it. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's too much for them to, to process, but I see it and it's really been a, a remarkable time. And I've seen you work other times really, really, really hard when, when needed to, you know, when you ran the music studio, you, you had to hustle and get these kids taught. And when you're going to have a performance and, you know, get a group of 16 kids all with their grandparents down at the gymnasium to, to perform, you, you worked, you're a hardworking person and the world that you occupy, I wish you could be both musician and physicist and mother and everything I do. I really wish that the world made room for people like you because, you know, making specialists where you have a real general interest in really everything, you know, it, it's something to be married to you because I, I have all my questions answered, you know. If I have to figure this out on my own, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. And plus, you know, our kids are yours and mine, you know, they're, they're unique. There's times where I see their brains working like yours and there are other times I see them working like mine. And I hope that next generation that we can be those influences to our kids and we don't have to have the same kind of conversations about, you know, if there's a restroom at the institution I can use or if, if they could even enter in for office hours. I mean, those, those things and wherever you experienced uh, coming through and, and getting your degree, but now also working, because I think the company you work for, they're, they're pretty woke people. They're, 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 it seems solid. It doesn't seem like you're having to, to really fight that battle with um, who's paying the bills. But I'm hopeful that we have better years ahead of us, as well as that other folks who come after us have it... Um, I don't want to say easier, but it's more access, and I see you doing that, and I, I, I just want to applaud this year. You know, not only did we survive it, but you were able to work really hard every day. And there wasn't a, a day this year that didn't have some unique challenge. So we made it. Here's to Vera, Ruben. We miss you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, did you want to add anything? I, I, I was going to ask more about science stuff. 
Well, I think we're uh, we're getting to the to the end of my um, my voice capacity for the evening no, since no, it's gotten it's late. But I haven't made the coffee for tomorrow yet. Yeah, but we can come back to it. I uh, I have a lot to say, but it's it's good to to be able to to talk about it. It is. Um, That's nice. Inspiring to see how much we've changed since I was in school, which. It seems like just a few years ago, but gosh, it's 20 years now, you know, and so here I am, I'm on the other side of of it. I'm now on the instructor level and I get to see, you know, I I made it through and and now there's a ton, there's a ton of instructors that are that are women and in fact there's one instructor who's um just starting to use our our uh our platform. Uh she said she hasn't taught freshman uh physics for four years now and she's never used our our platform so she asked if i could uh help her out so next wednesday which is uh december 28th no no no, december 30th december 30th i'm gonna i'm I'm working a half day and i made an appointment with her uh when i'm i won't i won't mention the the university but she's um at a big university and she's going to be teaching and she wants a a little training. So I'm going to make space for her before the end of the year. That'll be my last thing to do of 2020 job wise, physics wise is to train a, uh, uh, an instructor to go teach a next generation. Well, thank you. Thanks for answering my questions. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Face. My face. See ya. Look at that. We gotta stop.